When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll what a... do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. I, I, I can have it. You, you, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. <laughs> Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. We're also very excited to announce our new sponsor, Allen and Friends Custom Calls. With turkey season on everyone's mind, now is the time to order your custom-made calls from ANF. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and batwing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at anfcustomcalls at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 33 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin and joining me in my basement for the last time because it's finally warm outside. Charles Edlin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. It's nice out, man. It is nice out. We're going to be back in the rack shack I, right quick. I'm very excited for that. I am too. To be honest, I, yeah. I, I do like it in here. It's been homey, but I want to be outside. Yeah. I want to be outside with the birds chirping. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, maybe yeah. the occasional tar- turkey gobble. Oh. <laughs> That's That was more like Indians trying to hunt something down. <laughs> it's not a gobble. That's better. Shut up. Speaking of turkeys, me and uh, Anthony just got back from, we were uh, doing a little scouting on public land. Oh, really? Yeah. Very interesting. Saw one bird. Did you? Roosted. Yep. Nice. 
we walked all the way back in the very back and checked out all these fields and didn't see anything, man. No sign, nothing. Gnarly. And I kept telling him, I thought I heard, I thought, I thought I heard something down in the creek bottom. Yeah. But it was way behind us. So sure enough, on the way back out, looked down towards the creek bottom and right on that last little knob. Yeah. There was one roosted up in the tree. Sure. All by itself. One bird. Thanks Not sure what it was. Guy. Yeah. You yeah. weren't invited. I said, thank you for the invite. I know. You weren't invited. It was on the group chat. No, it wasn't. You sure? Positive. Well, then maybe you weren't invited. Yeah, I wasn't invited. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. <clears throat> I, I can't let you out of your cage. You got to stay in and edit. Yeah. Okay, we got to get these quick click in your pen. It's all good. Anyways, who do we got on today? I know. <laughs> I know. We got Ted Nugent and Cody Lundin. Yeah. That, dude, that's exactly who's coming on. Yep. I'm so excited for this podcast. Yep, yep. Ted Nugent has finally come on. Uncle Ted. Yep, he's going to talk about uh, the Trump 2020 rally. I'm really excited about that. And then <laughs> Cody Lundin's going to talk about how you can survive in the winter with nothing but socks. Because cool. wool is the best. Yeah, I like it. Yeah? You know, right. You know who Cody Lundin is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. Dual survival. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's bring him on. All right, let's get them on. All right, guys, we're here today with the Whitetail Legacy Podcast boys, Cody and Homie. What's going on, boys? What's, What's up, up, man? I appreciate that with, uh, <laughs> with the Homie introduction. I appreciate that. Oh, hell yeah, man. I mean, if anybody listens to your show, they're going to know who Homie is, right? Absolutely. And I suggest That's everyone cool. listens to your show. You guys got a good old podcast over there out of Illinois. There is no His noise in Illinois. His name's actually Honey, because every time I type <laughs> it in my phone, Spell text, honey. <laughs> Ryan, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we what, actually what, named a stand. Uh, we put up a new stand on the piece this year, and we called it the homie set. And, you know, preseason, we are talking about it, you know, and that's how it got changed to honey set, because every time Cody texts me about the hunting that stand, it, it changes to honey. So. <laughs> you got <laughs> iPhones? You gotta, yeah, you got to love it, man. That autocorrect is just great. I say ducking a lot. (laughs) 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 All right, boys. So I would say being over here in Pennsylvania and you guys having the show over in Illinois, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that some of the people may have stumbled upon upon your show. And we did give you a shout out on the VIP episode because we do listen and we do really like your show and we do appreciate you guys getting us hooked up with Matt and Cindy. And those, those two are just phenomenal people. But why don't you get into a little bit of your introduction of where you guys are from and what you do professionally? All right. Go ahead, Um. So, yeah, we do appreciate you guys, you know, shouting us out there. Uh, Matt and Cindy, our title partner, they do a ton for us, and we can't appreciate them enough. So they're very good people who have a very badass product. And, you know, it's something that Cody and I use, and it's very easy to promote it because we truly believe in it. As far as what I do... I'm a track inspector for the railroad, been doing that for five years, three years before that. I was a signal maintainer for a different railroad, so I've been railroading about eight years now. So doing that, uh, I've got two boys taking up a lot of my extra free time, but no complaints there because it's the best job I've ever had. Nice. nice. I'm sorry, you said you work for a bus depot? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I work for that road that's made of rail. <laughs> oh, Did man. Did you get that railroad? <laughs> we got it. 
Wait, that. we hunt by railroads. Have you ever been where we hunt? <laughs> <laughs> we don't go that far east. Oh, okay. too small. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Punch to the gut. The gay, <laughs> uh, I'm Cody. I'm uh, everything that homie's not on the podcast. <laughs> the looks. The tech guy, and I'm just the voice and the beard. I work for the railroad also. Little short story. Me and homie got hired at the same time. And I walked in, I was like, that dude's got a camel hat. I'm going to sit by him. <laughs> and that's how our friendship started. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, exactly right. And, you know, um, I, I've said before on our show, you know, I've looked for Cody, somebody that's just like Cody, and it just happened to be Cody. I looked for that guy for 24 years, somebody who loves hunting as much as I do, somebody who loves the outdoors as much as I do, who loves to do the crazy shit that I like to do, and steps up and is a dad when his time came. So. Truly blessed to be able to find him, and if you guys are still looking for your guy, man, he's out there somewhere. It's just time, and got to get lucky. Yeah, everybody's got to have a bro. Yeah, so, yeah, I still use that word. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're hip. <laughs> but yeah, I, I work for the railroad. Uh, I do whatever job I can hold closest to home. So um, sometimes I'm a welder, sometimes I'm a truck driver, sometimes I run a truck that hauls rail cars. Depends on. The week. Last year, I held 33 positions, so I like to switch around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, there's uh, nothing wrong with that, man. As long as you're close to home with the family, it's good to go, man. Yeah, and that's about it, man. And uh, we run White to Legs Podcast. And uh, just another shout-out. We appreciate you guys having us on. I like your guys' shows. I connect to, like, vibes in people, and I think you guys got a really good vibe going on as friendships like me and homie do. So when you guys are doing your intro or talking to the guests, I really like your guys' personality and how you carry yourself on the show. I think a lot of people's podcasts, they even if you think that you are a good hunter or something, I mean, everybody don't have to talk about it all the time, you know, to, to talk yourself up. And that's something you guys don't do. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. When I listen to you guys, I'm not like, man, these guys are just, they're just bragging about themselves for <laughs> six hours. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. But yeah, I know it's late for you guys. So we appreciate you having, having us on. No, absolutely, man. Right back at you. We appreciate you guys coming on. And, you know, I, <laughs> I do like that you guys point out that we're, we're not like, Oh, we're the biggest buck hunters <laughs> in the world and everything. Like I'm a good hunter when it comes to killing does. Like <laughs> other than that, like I'm, I get lucky sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just as good as my property. <laughs> That has a lot to do with it. It, No joke. And I think a lot of people, they take that for granted. They they call themselves really good hunters, but I I would just go ahead and venture guess they have really good property. And you put any regular decent hunter on that property and they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, we haven't lucked into a a giant buck like someone on this podcast yet, but, (laughs) you know, know, we're not doing too bad. (laughs) Feed a lot of corn. Hunt in a high fence and you can kill them all the time. So, <laughs> nothing, nothing to it. I'm telling you guys. I've been telling. I've been telling people this for months. So I've been cutting holes in the high fences near us and hoping that they'd sneak <laughs> out. But I don't think I'm cutting the hole big enough. <laughs> yeah, got to get it wider, man. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> the 300 inch deer can't fit out of it. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I'm going for next year. I got a, I got a 300. I've been leash training. I'm really good at. <laughs> Really good <laughs> All right, let's throw an idea past you. What do you think about this? We've talked about it on the podcast, and we've thrown it around. We're going to go and buy a doe, and we're going to tie it to the base of our tree when it goes in estrus, and then we're just going to bait the big bucks in. What do you think? 
if that's legal in your in your state, I want you to do it just to see what happens. I'll, I'll watch. I highly doubt gonna be it. Turning the can call over to left and right, bleeding yeah. <laughs> all morning. Dude, I think that's legal in North Korea, and that's about it. <laughs> All right, let's go to North Korea. They got tigers over there. Shit. <laughs> Baiting tigers, is that legal? I don't know. I'm out on that, man. Anything that could kill me. Even I'm even a little skeptical on bears. People talk to me. Like, I get messages from people about bear hunting. I know nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. Just I know a little bit more about deer hunting than, than bear hunting. So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to come to my camp then. There's plenty of bear up there. There's a lot. Big black bears, man. There was a, we had a, my buddy on the podcast a couple episodes ago, his group killed a 780 pound black bear. Jeez. That is giant. <laughs> that is giant. Yeah. I, 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 we, we've got some connections to kill some bears and that's something that me and homie talk about doing eventually. Um, I think it'd be cool just to learn with anything. I want to learn like, you know, what, how are they traveling? What are they eating? What are these, what are the animals doing? Right. And that's, I think that would be very cool to, to be able to do, even if I didn't kill one, just to, to learn about them and figure out a little bit of what a bear does naturally in the woods. Cause I literally have no idea. Me and homie, we remember when we were talking about the deer out West on our podcast. Oh, Every dude, time someone so that listens to our podcast that's not from the Midwest just owns us. They're like, they don't know shit about bears. They know nothing about mule deer. Right? I was like, what's a mule deer raking antlers on in Nevada? There ain't no trees out there. <laughs> to, to get to, to get the velvet on, you know, the right. deer in Kansas, you know, rub it on. They just rub it on each Every other. Every time I hear it, I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> They just fight it off. <laughs> they just yeah. tangle antlers till it all comes off. I think that's it. That well, we don't you've know. Got a better idea about it than we do. Yeah. No, I have no clue. <laughs> I've never even seen a mule deer. <laughs> you haven't? Not in person. Oh, dude. <laughs> I've never been farther west of Illinois. I told you this. Oh, it'll be all right. We'll yeah. get there eventually. Someday. Someday, well, guys. I want to bring it right back. I want to go back to the beginning. How did you get into hunting? You know, was it your family that got you into hunting? How did you get into high fence hunting? You know, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, um, I'm going to go first just so I can, everybody doesn't think I'm actually hunting in the high fence. Show, but, that's a good idea. Uh, me, me and homie, we are like a couple of little nobodies that started the show for a certain reason, you know, and we can get into that later, but we get. With, with anything, once you get some kind of following or people listen to you, you're going to get some haters. And we've had some epic haters. <laughs> we had one guy just type this page as a joke. And that was, a, that was a, that's still a, that's still a joke that me and homie talked about. Yep. He'll post something. I'm like, this page is a joke. You just need to shut it down. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we, we go off the thing is if you troll yourself, no one, no one can beat you up, right? Cause if you troll yourself harder than anybody else, then they can't even compete with yourself. So when they say something, you're like, bro, I said that like three months ago. But, uh, <laughs> I had a, a lot of high fence comments when I shot my deer, you know, it, it's a giant deer, right? And, uh, I got high fence comments. I got the gun comments. I got it all, you know, uh, the poach comments. And then, oh, I passed that deer last year when he was 170. Oh. And you should have passed him another year. <laughs> I got it all, right? Oh, so, get out of here. Dude, when I, no, for real, let me, let me, I got to pause you. When I heard you talking about someone mentioned that, you know, that deer was too young to harvest. And I actually got infuriated. I almost drove off the road. Like I was heated. <laughs> for you like i was so mad i'm like are you kidding me like these guys just went into all this detail on this buck all this history they have on this deer 
And then someone's going to message them and have the balls to tell them it's like a three and a half year old, I think the guy said or something. Yeah, he said he was two and a half. Two and a half. He thought he was two and a half. And homie knows the guy that I was talking about. A two and a half at, uh, well, he would have been mid 170s, maybe close to 180 if he wasn't broke off and said he was a two and a half year old. I mean, I fence it's possible. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But, but, uh, yeah, I got those comments. I think when, you know, I even, I've told homie, you know, I'm shooting these deer, you know, and people just keep getting closer and closer and hunting stuff closer to me. And I have like supreme, I have an insane amount of hunting pressure that I don't think people understand around my area. There is a ton of hunters. It is ridiculous. 42 shots in the first four hours of opening day shotgun season that I could hear. Right. Right. So, Sounds uh, like Pennsylvania in the first 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous and it's all leased ground. Everything's leased around me. That's just the way it is. And me and homie have a 21 acre piece of heaven that we're lucky to to be able to lease. But yeah, that's that's just the the high fence jokes. It's just <laughs> trolling yourself worse than anybody else can. And I do it hardcore and homie does the same thing to him, you know. Homie got a joke about his buck was a small buck, you know, and now he trolls himself about shooting small deer. It's just <laughs> fun to do and once you get to the point that you don't care what people think about you, that that's when you can really start living, you know, your realist life, you know, and that's shout out Gary V on that right there. Homie knows all about that, but, uh, getting started hunting, um, no one in my family deer hunted, absolutely no one when I grew up. I had this buddy named James Thomas, and he was just selling this dart and bow, and I was like, yeah, I've seen some deer around, I'll just buy this bow, and I ended up buying this, this old darton, it was 70 pounds, I didn't know anything about it, the draw was too long, the poundage was set at 70 pounds, and I couldn't draw it back, I had to like keep practicing, I eventually got it back. And I went out, and on one of my early, earlier hunts, I shot a eight-point basket rack that might have went, like, 80 inches, right? And this was in southern Missouri, which it was, like, a lot of people thought it was a, an awesome deer. And for me, the first buck that I shot was, that was just insane, right? I shot an eight-pointer. It was all about points when you were young, right? Oh, yeah. It wasn't like the score. It was like, oh, man, I got a 12-pointer. You know, and you're like, a 12-pointer? Holy shit, you know what I mean? So... I had, you know, an eight pointer. There was a couple stubs on the bottom that I was like, Oh yeah, those are, those are points too, but they, they were, <laughs> you know, you know, but uh, that's how I got started hunting. And I did the small game thing, the rabbit hunting, the squirrel hunting. My dad was into that stuff, but never into deer. Got into turkey hunting real heavy. Started hunting with my grandpa when I got a little older, rifle hunting, shot some nice deer, bow hunting, shot some decent deer. And then, uh, Moved to Illinois where there's, you know, 150s behind every tree and actually started shooting uh, a lot of respectable <laughs> deer, you know, some nice deer. So, uh, yeah, everyone from Pennsylvania knows there's 150 behind every tree out in Illinois, you know. I'll, I'll say this I guarantee you that there's more 150s in Illinois than Pennsylvania. And that's something, <laughs> like I said, about your podcast and ours. We're 100% honest, you know what I yeah. mean? I don't know how many times I've said on our podcast that the piece of ground that I hunt is extremely good, right? And that's part of the reason that I'm successful. But the point that me and homie try to instill on our podcast is if me and homie can find a piece that's that good, literally anybody can. Homie, how many times do I call you about this, another little piece that I found that I'm like, oh, this is going to be fire? Yeah, All the time. It's a, it's a piece that everybody looks at because it, they can see the potential, but they're like, well, it's only 14 acres, mm-hmm. or it's just a single draw between two pieces of, you know, 
one, one spot's public ground and then the other one's like a sewer. You know, nobody is willing to take the risk of hanging a camera there that they really want in this fire spot that they get in Austin picks of year after year. And, you know, that's one thing that Cody brings to the podcast is he's got, he's got the hook upon some dynamite ground. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'll be straight up honest with you. I, the ground that I hunt is, it's good, right? But the reason it's good is because we make it good. If we went in there and hunted not smart or hunted a lot, it wouldn't be good because the deer would just get pushed right off. So that's yeah. the thing I think you guys do well on your podcast, you know, the average hunter going out there and getting it done. And I think that's something that we strive for to show on ours is the average hunter getting it done. And I've been an average hunter and I'm still an average hunter since I started bow hunting, right? Yeah. No matter. I think no matter how many deer you kill, what the size is, you're still literally a steward of the woods, a steward of deer. And there's times that I realized, like, we found a shed, and then two weeks later, later, I figured out it's a deer that we had history with, right? And if I was a good hunter, I'd know that automatically, right? But it's just, <laughs> it, it takes time, you know? I'm not a good hunter yet. I have years and years. When I'm 90, I might be good. I feel like I should be pretty good by then. But <laughs> I'm right there with you, man, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, we've been fortunate. We've been hunting a long time, the two of us, you know, and me personally, I've been very fortunate to gain advice from my father that's been hunting forever and ever. And I would say he's a very good hunter. You know, that's someone that gets it done year in and year out on all kinds of deer in different states, you know, and he puts in the work. But going back to what you guys are talking about, let's not forget the reason you're even setting foot on that ground is because you earned it. You know, you're doing extracurricular things outside of hunting season that a lot of people wouldn't even think about doing, you know, which is incredible. Mexican birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican birds, man. The, the key to success. Find someone that wants you to take care of some migrating birds, you're in. <laughs> the Mexican cartel birds that transport cocaine across boundary lines. I'm going to teach him how. I mean, I'm going to have real ground. So. You wanted that right, 4K homie. camera, right? Yeah. All right, homie. You you go. I talked enough. I think I start. I think one of my first hunts, a rabbit hunt, when I was maybe eight or nine years old. Um, I was a dog, so I was walking through like 12 foot dillweed patches, falling on my ass every other step. Uh, we actually just put up a post on Facebook here, and I told this story and. After about, you know, the 30th time falling on my ass, I'm like, you know, I'm not sure that this hunt thing's going to be for me. You know, it's just too much work. I'm constantly falling down. I don't know what I'm even doing out here. I'm wearing this bright orange clothing. Every rabbit's going to see me. <laughs> so I'm not sure that this hunt thing's going to work out for me, even though my dad and my older brother want me to be walking, you know, being a dog <laughs> for them. So I'm not sure that I'm going to go next time when they ask me to go because this sucks. But um, I think the next time I went, rabbit hunting when they asked me and then when i was in sixth grade my dad my dad's kind of system that he set up is when you're in sixth grade you get to go and like you get to sit with him while he's hunting he was just strictly a gun hunter you know and then that's kind of like you get into experience it and be like all right is this something that you want to do get to see him shoot a deer see his dead back it out then when you're in seventh grade take your hunter safety course pass it and you're like all right you know you going or you're not going and, you know, to order tags and, you know, it, in the moment you're like, well, yeah, I want to go. But then when it comes down to it, you're like, man, you know, that's a big decision. So 
ended up going, you know, of course, and seventh grade year, you just kind of sit, you know, like 80, 100 yards from dad, you know, to where he can tuck you in yeah. on his yeah. way to his stand. You know, you're set up in a little portable about eight feet off the ground, you know, make it feel like you're up in the stand. And I didn't shoot a deer until I was a freshman in high school with a gun. And it was like, I missed a deer at four and a half yards my eighth grade year because I, he told me, he's like, hey, if you ever get tired, just get down on the platform and, and go to sleep, you know, that way I don't have to like worry about you falling off the seat. So I'm like, okay. So I did that because I had a basketball game the night before, get down and I literally am back in the seat for like 10 seconds and this doe just comes hauling ass right by me. And it's like the, probably the third legit year I've had like the opportunity to take a shot at and I mean, it just whiffed it. So then, you know, you're, you're a little kid, you're all ramped up at camp, you know, getting lunch, and you're just telling everybody. And then everybody's like, you miss a deer at four and a half yards? <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of that guy, you know, that has that story because, you know, you're so amped up that you had a deer that close. But moving on from that, my very first hunt when I was in sixth grade with my dad, he shot a buck in the morning. We tracked it, couldn't find it. And then that afternoon, we went and we hunted off the ground. And he shot like a mid-160s at about eight yards. So that was pretty cool for me to experience. And at the time, like, have literally no idea what just happened because it's, it's his biggest buck of his life. And, you know, just to see, like, how magical, looking back on it, you know, how magical that moment was to be there with him and experience him getting his biggest buck. And then you just start, like, piecing it together. Like, dude, we were on the ground the deer coming behind us and shouldn't have even been there and just all the crazy stuff that happens when you're deer hunting. So that was, that was really cool. And then I got my first bow when I was 16. I was able to drive myself to my hunting place because it's almost like an hour away. And so that first year I was able to drive, I got my bow and I started hunting like I was shotgun hunting because that was all I knew. And then, you know, I, I shot a couple small bucks with a gun up to that point and when I got that bow in my hand I just felt like I needed to get on that trophy level and you know take a 130 and above and uh, let me tell you if you're bow hunting in October like you're shotgun hunting in November it's not gonna happen for you so um you know I, I've passed some bucks that I wish I would have shot and you know even sitting here talking to you guys today I wish I would have shot that 110 that 120 Shot that hundred incher, you know, shot that forked horn, even though I already had two of them down with a gun, just because shooting a deer with a bow is totally different. And that process from October 1st to January 15th or whatever the season closes on, because it's different every year, the deer transition, you know, throughout the year, throughout the season. And that's something that I didn't know getting a bow and being pretty much the only bow hunter in my family. So I wish I would have shot more smaller bucks when I was learning because I think now looking back on it that that is a very important part of becoming a good hunter and I am clearly not a good hunter. <laughs> You'll see that in our fifth film when we release it. <laughs> <clears throat> no, that was a really good answer though, honestly, man. And like like you said, like you wish you would have went back and shot that smaller buck and, and just went through the whole process and everything because everything was so different. It really is. It's like being on another planet between bow hunting and gun hunting. It really is. Yeah, and I think yeah. with your bow too, man, you've got to climb that ladder. You know, you got to, and we talk about it all the time, we like to get some does killed early in the year just to get something under your belt, you know, so you get the nerves out of the way. So when it does come the time that 
130 that you're looking for steps out in front of you, you know, you can take that animal with a lot more ease than if you just held out the whole time. You know, the more animals, the more deer you kill, I don't, I don't want to say the easier it becomes, but let's say the less difficult it becomes the next deer you kill. And that's in the same season. That's lifetime. I don't care who you are. That first doe the season walks out, your heart is racing out of your chest. I know mine is. Yeah. You know, and I get all kinds of fired up and it don't matter how many times I tell myself it's just a doe. It's just a doe. I'm still just totally excited, you know, so, but I do believe, like you said, when you can climb the ladder, when you start out and I've had people that want to come hunting, you know, they see me hunting, they see some of our family success. They think it's easy. They don't see the hard work. They don't see the hours and stand all the times you come home with absolutely nothing. All the years that we've spent just working and scouting and putting in the time on properties to learn a property, they don't see that. They just want to go out and they want to kill a big buck. That That's not how it works. And I don't care what state you're in. That's just not how it works. Now, you can buy a big buck, you know, like uh, what Cody did, but um, <laughs> that's, that's typically not how it works. You know, I think... The first buck that I shot was the most beautiful six-point in my mind. This thing was just a beautiful little six-point, man, just barely legal. Three to a side point restrictions up in the mountains and on public land. It was actually really cool, but I shot it with a rifle. And then when I got a bow in my hand, it took me, damn, dude, it took me like 12, 13 years to, to kill a buck with my bow. I've had a lot of close calls. I've had a lot of misses. And it's even horrible to say, but I've even hit some and not recovered them. You know, but when I finally killed one, it was like that, that unleashed the demon in me. I killed one, killed another one a week later, and I've gotten one the last two years. So I've been very, very blessed to do that. So now once I get this veteran on the end of my, my arrow, maybe I'll kill a lot more, but <laughs> we'll see, man. You hope so, man. Hell you yeah. Have to muffle, you have to muffle the national anthem other than that. <laughs> That's okay, because I already hunt underneath a bald eagle's nest, so he's singing the whole uh, time. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Like, reaching above you, yeah. You're, you're killing a 160 this year. <laughs> I'm going to hold you, you to a, that. If you have a stand in, with an eagle's nest in it, I mean, I wouldn't hunt any other stand. You just could not do it. Dude, I shit you not. I never thought of that. The stand that Charles shot his buck out of this year, it was a running gun set, but we scouted it earlier in the spring. It is like 50 yards away from the biggest bald eel's nest you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) It's pretty epic, man. Yeah, Yeah. dude. They just fly over top and screech at you, and it's it's sweet, man. You can get some killer footage out of that stand, man. You gotta think about that when you're in it. Yeah, this year, this year maybe yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work on it. We really are. Yes. We're both interested in it. You know, I don't think I, we're gonna dive all in. I would sacrifice the shittiest trophy picks you ever seen in your life just to have that blob in the background of the eagle's nest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you gotta get, get it. If you could get a trophy pick with an eagle in that <sighs> nest, I don't care if you gotta wait six hours for that eagle to land. <laughs> that's gotta nail that shot. I'm telling you, I could have done it. I'm not even kidding. Like where my buck died, he was literally within fifty yards of that eagle's nest. Now it was an evening hunt, so it was pitch black. <laughs> I could have left him there till morning and just like hung out with him and then took yeah. the picture in the in the morning. That would have been badass. I would have had the eagles in the background. Guys, I promise there's an eagle in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Photoshop, bro. I added 90 inches to the buck I killed this year. Photoshop would do a lot. <laughs> At least 90 inches. At least. Yeah. All right, boys. So 
we've we've mentioned filming a little bit. We'll get into that, but leading into it, let's say, what has it been like passing down the hunting legacy to your children? And I use legacy there, obviously, because of the name of your podcast, but it's fitting. You know, you're passing down that legacy to your children, and you see it in your first film, Beginnings, which is an amazing short film that you just recently posted, and I love it, but what's the experience been like? Cody, can I take this one? Yeah, go ahead, man. At least have to get here. Yeah. Um, so not even two weeks ago, um, Cody and I were having a conversation, and we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about, you know, releasing our first film, Beginnings, but it might have been while we were doing our episodes covering the films, and we just wish that, like, I don't have really any pictures of me evolving as a hunter from year to year, you know, just a picture of me in my camo or a picture of me on opening morning going out with the guys. You know, I don't have any videos or anything like that. So for me, I want to be able to document, you know, Aiden and Hoyt growth as a hunter and or not even a hunter, just an outdoorsman, a sportsman, a, a conservationist, you know, and um, just for me to have. And then, you know, maybe eventually when they're one day, when they're 28, 29, like I am, they're like, hey, dad, you know, do you have anything or any pictures or videos of me growing up? Which, I mean, obviously by then they're going to know that there is, but I'll be able to pull out a, a whole Rolodex of, you know, pictures and memory cards full of videos and have them, I guess, redneck edited, because that's what I'm going to call myself right now. But, you know, Cody was talking about trying to get a picture from his grandma of the first good bucky killed in missouri and i haven't heard back if, if she's found it or not but you know it was like on an sd card packed away somewhere and you know just stuff like that that we want to have that we're kind of taking the initiative to do for our kids and you know not necessarily for them just for us to have to say that we've done it and look back on when they're gonna get married or they're graduating high school or you know stuff like that so and then you know just to instill the passion in them that we have for it is um another thing that i look forward to that is just so freaking cool man <laughs> honestly i love that about you guys like that focus and that drive to like involve your kids is just it's huge man you know yeah, we, we're always huge. talking about getting new hunters involved and stuff like that it's not typically kids it's typically get typically guys our age or people a little older maybe some like younger teenagers and stuff like that but bringing your kids up from like the young age and getting them involved like how we were how we grew right, up right that's just that's so cool man and it's a dying it, it's dying our sport is dying because people aren't getting their kids involved yeah so every time i get a pound of hamburger or a pound of deer meat out of the deep freeze in the basement or you know another sack because that's what i get it from in the butcher shop aiden he'll walk halfway down the stairs with him and he'll be like um he'll say heart deer <laughs> like, yeah, man, it's deer heart. We're we're gonna bring it upstairs and we're gonna eat it. After I killed my buck, you know, I made a big deal about the heart because I think that that's the the best part of the deer to me to eat. And the night we we cooked that heart, I made a big deal about it, you know. And it was the the heart of the buck, and you know, I, I let him get involved and in, in help him cook it and stuff because he loves cooking with me. And so every time I I get some venison out of the deep freeze in the basement, you know, he's like, oh, it's hard deer. Yeah. Yeah. He knows, he knows his regular grind, you know. Right. Yeah. So he definitely knows and, you know, eats venison and he'll eat venison until he moves out. Dude, that's the way it should be, man, honestly. Right. And that's a whole different approach that people don't typically take, like getting them involved in the processing, you know, on the cooking side of things when they're real young, too. Because a lot of people, you know, when they think of introducing their kids to hunting, they think 
all that entails is taking them out hunting and hoping they have a good experience. But you're bringing it inside the household, you know, instilling the importance of eating that deer over just going out and making it all about a kill, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and just like we were talking before the episode started, you know, just videoing and and being different, you know, that's one thing that I don't think it's shown enough is the consumption of what you've taken. And in my buck video at the end, you know, that's what I put in there is everything that, you know, I made a big hoorah about that we're going to eat this heart. And, you know, it's me cutting it up, me cooking it. I made fajitas for the first time out of deer heart. And Aiden, he was a huge fan of it. So we're going to have to try that again. Dude, that's one of my favorite things to make with heart, honestly. A lot of my friends think it's weird that I'm eating tecker. And uh, <clears throat> honestly, I don't really care because none of them eat them. And every single time one of them are getting a deer, I'm like, I'm taking the heart. And they're like, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, around the gun camp there where I hunt, there's usually about 18 hunters. And I didn't hunt there this year, but in previous years, I'll be the guy walking around the gut pile, you know, as everybody's gutting their deer with a plastic sack, like, all right, you know, put the heart in there, put the heart in there. And then this year, had a guy kind of take my place here a couple of weeks ago. We met up at a birthday party, and he uh, he unloaded three of them off to me. So I got them sitting around, and I need to get a plan and get them ate up. Dude, <laughs> yeah, I usually give Austin my hearts too. You know, I try to have him save the the heart of my big buck that I shot two years ago, but I'm pretty sure that selfish bastard ate it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I got another heart you can try. I'll just tell you it's your buck heart. It'll be all right. That's all that matters. Just <laughs> lie to me. I don't care. Didn't I give you a doe heart this year, too? Yeah. I took one from you, McCoy, all my does. and Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I was hoping I'd give them to you. You're the cook of mm-hmm. this relationship. Okay? <laughs> I was hoping to give them to you, and you'd cook up something real nice for me. I still will. I still got a couple of them. Okay. Good. <laughs> I hold you to that. We're good to go. <laughs> we just wrapped up our uh, 21st annual killing grill this past weekend. And I'll tell you what, boys, that was one hell of an event. Austin missed it. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, I had a wedding, okay? I had to go to my cousin's <laughs> wedding. Because that's more important than wild game, right? But uh, I, that, the mills and the camaraderie, I think something like that would be cool for everybody to get involved in and get behind. Just everybody should do something like that. There's like 40, 50 people there. They yeah, were all hunters. Post, was, yeah, yeah, man. That's pretty badass, man. That's something that I would like to do. Yeah. And- me and homie are huge on the heart. Like, like we, when we're good, they'd be like, oh, we got to put this, you know, somewhere where we can keep it. And I think if people had it, they'd be like, damn, that's, that's good. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's fire. You know what I mean? And it is. And I take a lot of pride in, in cooking the deer. I did a couple jerky cook-offs. Homies had some of my jerky. I take pride oh. in that stuff. I can make some fire jerky. And people are like, I, it's prime rib jerky, and people think I take prime rib and turn it into jerky. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, man, this is venison. You know what I mean? <laughs> people have it. They're like, holy shit, man, you got to shoot me a deer. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's just to go off. You know, I'm the same thing as homie. I don't, you know, need to go real deep. We named our, our show Whitetail Legacy because we want to leave a legacy of knowledge behind for our kids, right? So all our stuff saved. So if my kid's 16... He'll be able to go back and how many episodes we have and listen to us grow as hunters, listen to the guests we have on. That's going to make him such a better hunter, you know, and I'll be able to talk to him. I, I hope he brings up like, you know, like do that James Wheeler episodes as baller. And I'll be like, go into detail with him, right? That's, that's what I'm hoping. And, uh, I think it's important on our, our podcast. We try to have fun like you guys do because hunting's supposed to be fun too. 
So when our kids are listening to this, when they grow up, we want them to say, well, they were learning, but they had gang loads of fun right. the whole time, you know? And I want my kids to look back and say, you know, well, I was with my dad from two years old, you know, track a deer and look for sheds or whatever, you know? I want to do that with my kids. And I think it's awesome that you guys try to get people into hunting because I feel like if people understood the passion of it and the joy that it is, they would be hooked for life, just like us. But we take utmost pride in our kids and instilling the passion and the understanding of why we do it, not just the killing. Um, there's a lot more to it. And we try to showcase that in, in our films that we have coming out. Well, speaking of your films, I'm going to kind of branch off to that for a little bit and uh, kind of get into it. Like, why don't you tell me about you guys are coming out with a, like a like a mini series of films. Or you guys are coming out with five short films. Why don't you kind of get into that and kind of tell the story of how you guys wanted to get into filming and then, you know, branch off and let everybody know what films are coming out and everything like that, all the nitty gritty. Well, I'll start off with me and Homie filmed the first year. We didn't make it out of October. I uh, have a bow kill buck. Almost, I almost got the shot by myself on a can. I just using a handy cam, and uh, then I edited some of homie stuff together. Real, you think homie's editing is redneck? Holy shit, you guys! I mean, <laughs> if you guys, if you guys seen this footage? Just, it's, it's bad. I mean, it's it's real bad. But well, that's it's just because quality shit too. It's important for us to leave that there, right? Because that's the progression of us as hunters. And even like you guys filming, like I wanna, I wanna promote you guys doing it, right? Whether you film with handy cams or you get into it and get a nice DSLR or a nice video camera, whatever you do, it's so awesome to have those memories. So that's what me and homie started out with is we wanna capture memories. We know we're both dads. We wanna capture this stuff so we can watch it, you know? There's gonna be a time in my life. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't wanna hang out with my dad, right? Like I'm too cool for that. Or, you know, when I moved away, you know, I know that that takes a toll and I'm going to be able to look back at all this footage of me with my kid or just hunting in general. And I'm going to look back and be like, you know, and you can you can remember stuff. But when you watch a footage, like when I shot Mr. Freeze, I thought he was on a full run and I watched the footage. He's just barely trot. You know, I mean, it's just you get it instilled in your mind. It happened one way, but it happened a complete different way. And with the footage, it never lies. You have exactly what happened. You can't fake it. You know, it ha it's it's real. It's there. And uh, that that's I think that's why I started filming. And homie, why'd you start filming? Um, you know, just to be able to look back on something and be like, you know, this is actually how it happened. I've had numerous hunts to where, you know, you just play it back in your head. And you're like, man, that was the dopest shit I ever seen in my life. You know, this deer did this and you'd never believe it. And, you know, just like Cody said, the film doesn't lie. And, you know, and then also to be like, you know, check out this hunt I had. This deer did this and this deer actually did this. Had like a 150 last year on my sweet ass Sony handy cam. Um, <laughs> come out, come out right after a doe. Epic, bro. Like, yeah, he's like 250 yards away. It was, I mean, I'm not saying it was the first buck I seen make a scrape, but it was like the first one to like come out hot on a doe late October and like get good rut activity and then to get it on film. But I mean, it's shit film is what it is. But just like Cody said, you know, we didn't make it out of October filming. And I was done, you know, <laughs> what What do we call that? Uh, we had some joke-ass camera arms. Oh, dude. <laughs> just, just like some $30 camera arms, just, you know, basically a, a zip tie around a tree with a 
with a rope with your camera on <laughs> is what nice. we had. And, you know, we thought we were kind of, you know, big stuff. And we just got burnt out because it's just such a hard transition. And, you know, we just wanted to capture everything. And it's hard to do that. And then, you know, I had an encounter with a buck that I was like the very first buck I ever had history with. I had two years of pictures of him. And then he'd come out into a standing bean field. And he's probably 150 yards away. And I'm like, oh, hey, there's this buck that I've been seeing on camp. So I kind of grunted at him and he looked over at me and, you know, I've got him in the frame and stuff. I was telling Cody, I was like, oh, dude, I've seen that deer, you know, and I'm at the truck watching it on my candy cam. And I'm like, no, it's totally a different deer. I said, just forget everything I ever told you because it's not the same deer. But when I was in the moment filming it and calling to him, I was like, dude, this is that deer that I got on trail cam. But just like it's happened to me before, you know, you think it happens one way. and It's a totally different experience. But you get to look back and see how it actually happened through film. So Cody had edited. Well, I don't know if he even edited. I think he just put all the raw footage together. Hey, but I edited that shit. <laughs> I added. I added music, man. Added, bro. Shit, a lot of hard work in that. Maybe like forty-five minutes. Apparently, yeah. your transitions were weak as shit. Yeah. <laughs> we, you're but, supposed to put more techno in it. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, for sure, techno beats, bro. Oh, he knows. <laughs> After it might have even been March, March of last year, Cody had finally. You went to welding school or something to learn how to weld because you didn't know how. And <laughs> had some time away from the wife and kids to get my SD card and, and get them some stuff put together. And it was just basically a highlight of, you know, my season that was so short through filming. And when I seen that put together, I was like, dude, that was actually like pretty cool. I mean, it, it was garbage. I mean, it's, it's garbage. But for me to see that put together, like, you know, that was what all that hard work was put into produced was something like that and then that kind of reignited my fire and it was like all right i'm going in i know we can produce something that's half-assed decent we just got to get good cameras and really stop and think about how we want to film and how we want to produce what hunting means to us yeah absolutely i think one of the things for me would be the coolest if we consider getting started hunting I'm sorry, filming. Yeah, we, we're just considering starting hunting, guys. We've been lying this entire time. <laughs> we talked about now making you're this. Like Cody on <laughs> but the best part of filming for me would be helping me describe the deer that I see to people that I always get within like 100 yards, but don't close the deal on, or I screw up on, or I miss, or whatever, you know. Because I try to tell them, like, man, it was this real nice eight point. You got to see this. And, you know, I, I see people start their eyes, start rolling in the back of their head. Like, man, this guy's just full of shit. There's no way he's missed four deer over 130. I just made that number up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that'd be cool playing it back, like you said, because there's a lot of times right after it happens so fast. We hear that all the time. It happened so fast. Like, well, what happened after you? Sh I don't know. It happened so fast. I don't know. He was coming in left to right. Well, the deer was coming in left to right. And I think he ran over to the right. Then you play it back on film, and no, he actually started to veer right and then cut back left. You know, have you guys experienced anything yet in your short filming period where, you know, it's helped you even recover deer or has helped you with shot location or placement, I guess? Uh, both the deer that I have killed on film, well, even my grandpa's deer, everything's dropped. I've seen it drop. So nice. that, that hasn't been the case for me. Uh, it helped homie out though. <laughs> on, 
<laughs> yeah, it helped. <laughs> yeah, it helped. It helped Tony out though on your buck kill, you know, with the oh with yeah, the, that, yeah, that the, one with the tacticam footage. Yeah, so. did help there. You know, I was I was really tore up about that because it, it was you know a, it was under thirty on the range, and you know I just to make a less than stellar shot on that deer. You know, I was really tore up about it, and then you get into your own head when you're sitting there. And, just doing about it, you know, you're almost your, your worst enemy at that point. But, um, the, the one I was laughing about before Cody brought that one up, I have a doe kill on film and I told Cody, I was like, well, I shot the deer right here and then she started running toward this draw. So I shot her again because I didn't want her to make it to the draw. And, uh, if it was in focus, you'd be able to tell a little bit better, but I'm not a very good filmer and I'm not a very good hunter. So <laughs> both of these are kind of, meeting in the middle i missed a deer at like Cody. how far is that 15 18 yards 12 <laughs> <laughs> see the film don't lie bro <laughs> all right so it's four yards <laughs> you just reached out and threw your arrow at him <laughs> no I just, we're done honey we're on full-on cool kid level um, i missed this doe because she about picked me off, but I managed to squeak through that. And then I was like, dude, I shot her right there. Blew, just blew right through her because I seen the leaves scattering. You know, it was just a nice courting away shot. And then I seen her running towards the draw. So I was like, well, damn, I got to shoot her again before I have to drag her out of the draw. You know, it's more work. I don't want to do that. So the second shot on video, you can definitely tell I blew her up. And then I'm like, well, she's down in the draw. I know she's down right there. You know, I can see her from the stand. And we get down there like, it's always like to follow blood, you know. You should, I, I feel like as a hunter, you should always do that. Try to get on as many blood trails as you can because you're going to learn something. And this is kind of statement of that, you know. I thought I shot the deer here, and I watched the film. I was like, oh, yeah, blew right through your shoulder. And then there's no blood there because Cody's like, well, I don't see no blood. But I'm up to where, like, I shot her the second time. And I'm like, well, I got blood here, and there's no blood in between us. So you get actually on the deer, and entry wound is on her left side the opposite of what she would have been if i had shot her the first time so you know just for me in my brain it was super hard to convince myself i missed that deer but then i hit her on the run at 35 yards and she's dead within 40 so that was a pretty good scenario of something that you can look back on and be like when you get it on like a big screen instead of like your your camera you know definitely try to get it blowed up as big as you can to be able to look back on something and, and review it. Clean mess at 12 yards. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we can all agree on. <laughs> and, and we're going to air that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you yeah, should, man. On. Yeah. You got to learn from your mistakes somehow. And I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. You definitely should follow every single blood trail. One, I think yeah. I find a lot of enjoyment, especially in the ones you see go down, because those are usually the best blood draw. I mean, you're just looking, there's blood spraying six feet up a tree. You're like, damn, dude, that is insane. And we, I took a picture and sent it to Austin the night that I killed my buck. And the first picture was like these leaves just covered in blood. And we put that up as kind of like our little teaser to what happened that night. You know, the deer ran 20 yards and piled over. But I think there is always something to learn. And then you look where you hit that deer. That is a huge, huge learning opportunity. If you can get out on a blood trail, no matter what. Now, we're stingy with who we let on our blood trails. I'll be honest. We have our group of guys that we trust. Everybody has their role. Everybody knows their role. We're the ones that do the blood trailing, usually like in our family. But if you can get out on blood trails, the more you can get out on, the better. I hate 
when someone kills a deer within sight, it's like, what do you mean? I can't go track a, I can't go track it. <laughs> you killed it and you know it's dead. I can't track it. That That's terrible. Like I look forward to the blood trails. That's one of the things that I take a lot of pride in being a bloodhound and just going through the woods. Yeah. Dude. I'd like to piggyback off of that a little bit. I mean, going on every blood trail that you can, it's super solid and it's kind of proof in the pudding here with both of our bucks this year. Yeah. My buck came first. Total shit show. Started pouring rain after I shot the deer. It went into the next day. We had to call on the blood tracking dogs and everything. It was it was terrible. And then you go in the total opposite end of the spectrum. Charles shot his deer. It ran around in a circle and died 20 yards away. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's total opposite end of the spectrum. And you learn from both of those. I mean, it's just, it's knowledge that you can't pass up without having that hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And I've been on a lot of blood trails, man. A lot of blood trails. I love it. Like I said, I love it. I've been on some really exciting ones, ones have gone into the next day, and we're running <laughs> around like idiots. Well, yeah, yours as one of them, but no, the ones where the deer was alive the next day, and we're tracking it, and we've tracked it in a full circle like a rabbit, and have come across the same blood trail a second time. We're like, wait, this blood wasn't here, and figured it out, put the pieces together, and that was insane. I mean, we were literally running around barking it like beagles at one point. <laughs> We were young and stupid, but we had a lot of fun yeah. with it, you know. One so, thing with my bug this year is that I hadn't really ever had to deal with was melting snow. So I had shot that deer in the morning. I knew it was a farther back shot than what I wanted. Um, I got down, looked at my arrow, picked it up. Obviously, complete pass-through, which is one of the reasons we shoot the veteran, is for the pass-through performance. So I was able to go to the shot site, see the damage there, pick up my arrow, examine it, you know, if it was... I knew, I knew I wasn't going to find lung blood, but, you know, see if it was going to be gut or liver. And, you know, I, it wasn't gut, but it wasn't lung. So we were suspecting liver and picked up that arrow. And then it was going to be, it was like almost going to be 20 high teens in the morning. And then it was going to get up to, you know, mid forties that evening with snow on the ground. So I knew all that snow was going to melt. So I was kind of nervous about that. And you can see on our short recovery film, there's almost no snow on the ground. And we had went, you know, the deer went, what, not even 100 yards, Cody? Yeah, probably 80 yards, yeah. Yeah, 80 yards. It, I mean, we had been following blood and we lose blood for 10 yards and it come back on. So that was something new to me is, you know, just like you said there with the, with the rain. But mine would have been, you know, the melting snow presented a different challenge that I hadn't been on yet. So it sounds like you guys had a pretty good season, though, overall in 2018. I mean, you both got bucks. One of you with a bow. Shout out to homie. Good job. <laughs> One of you on a high fence property with a gun. <laughs> yep. You know, you get the A for effort and the, uh, <laughs> the, the second place trophy, Cody. You have to get it done somehow. <laughs> I mean, Participation you trophy. Shout out next level. <laughs> yes. He's gonna hate that I just said that. I'm gonna yeah. be like ninety-eight oh. text messages. It's gonna be hilarious. Ninety-eight snaps. Yeah, I thought yeah. he said that you know corn was so healthy for deer. You know, you just throw that giant <laughs> pile of corn and salt out there for him. Yeah, that's all you gotta do, man. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. We had a, we had an absolute blessed year, and, and we both killed bucks, but. Me and homie growing as hunters and, and I don't know really, I don't know really what it was about this year, but we just took a whole different outlook on how we were going to approach it. I don't know if it's becoming a dad or 
getting a little bit older, but we like we slowed down and really like absorbed the whole season. And uh, when it was time to celebrate, we celebrated like animals. And when it was when it was time to put in work, we we put in work. And it, when it was time to uh, not hunt because it wasn't right, we didn't hunt. And uh, I think this is the first year that we actually strategically nailed what we wanted to do. And uh, that's something I talk about on the podcast a lot is like slowing it, slowing down and soaking it in. Homie, how many hours did we spend with my buck before we got him in the truck? I would say at least three. Wow. It was a long time before we even moved that deer an inch for yeah. like a picture or, uh, you know, I mean, I guess Cody moved him freaking out. But um, <laughs> other than that, he did not move. And, you know, that was, I think you even say it in the video, like, dude, I just want to like soak this in and just, you know, feel what I'm feeling right now. And then I don't even know why, but Jake was there, Cody's, Cody and I's friend. We we're trying to get him a doe. So we kind of had like a third guy there to take the camera and just get Cody and I down for a deer that we had been chasing all year. And I don't even know why, but they say, you know, I'm crying. And it was just like, because we didn't feel like we were good enough hunters to be able to kill a deer of his size. You know, I mean, this deer is super smart. We felt like he was only accessing the property on a southwest wind. And, you know, then... It's literally unkillable. Yeah, Cody shoots the deer. He doesn't even know it's Mr. Freeze. (laughs) And he's like... (laughs) So Cody calls me all shook. And I'm like, I answered the phone. I could tell he was shook. I was like, all right, did you kill him? And he's like, no, no, but I just killed probably my biggest buck ever. Probably 170. You know, just just get down and get over here. So I was like, all right. I want to pause you there so people don't think I'm crazy. So in my mind, right, when... uh. When you see a 190 coming through the woods, you know it's a 190, right? I mean, I would but, hope so. <laughs> I, I when don't. It, when it happens, when it happens, you don't think it's a 190. Like in my mind, like when I've seen that deer like three years and never even seen I putting eyes on him, I I imagine me seeing him as like this epic moment of like, oh my god, it's him. He's a giant, and, and homie knows me very well. Of I like to look look at the antlers, figure if they're a shooter and then never look again, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I do, right? Yeah. And another thing another thing that I do that a lot of people don't do is I fake kill the shit out of stuff. That that goes back to uh just killing, you know, being confident. If a yeah. fork and horn comes in early season, I draw back with the arrow and everything and I put my pin on them and I'm like in my mind I say, You're dead <laughs> and that gives me confidence to to go on to uh, you know if a buck I want to shoot I've I've already drawn on eight small deer you know and uh, that's something I like to do I like to fake kill does and small bucks and it just gives me confidence just drawing on deer at the right moment and centering my pen going through my cycle but never hitting the release you know and uh, when that buck came in I I knew it was an absolute giant. I looked at it one second. I wish we had it on footage. I looked, I looked at it one second. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a shooter. My buddy, Jake, <laughs> my buddy Jake's in the stand with me, and he goes, there's a buck. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a shooter. <laughs> I just throw him the camera, but you can go ahead and go back. I just In the film, it's kind of confusing because like I'm in the stand, and I don't know it's him, and then I get up there. But I, you can't see those inside kickers. And without those inside kickers, he's a mainframe 170-class deer. Yeah. Okay. So I was pretty dang close to 
what the deer was, but I thought it was a 12 pointer. So that's the inside points. I just added as another, like another G, like a G4 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But dude, yeah, I don't even know what that looks like, honestly. <laughs> A 170 coming through the woods, let alone. Yeah, you, you know we don't speak big deer around here, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you got to talk a little slower. 170 coming through the woods, it looks smaller than I imagined it looked. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair I enough. Know, I mean, a 190 coming through the woods looks smaller. I, I, I told homie that I had just shot a, a mid 170s class deer. And, oh, uh, it was, it was a deer that, so where we were set up, we were set, I was set, homie was set up in the spot where if the buck, we're coming south. He was going to get the first opportunity. And a buck was going north. I was going to get the first opportunity. And we were both in a pen that during shotgun season has historically been where big bucks go when they get pushed off the neighbors. I shot that deer at 9, 10 in the morning. There's a second deer that I'd seen. I just passed a really solid buck right before that. And, uh, that's a, like I said, the, the second deer I'd seen and it's 9, 10 in the morning. And then boom, there's a 190. So literally, you never know, but go ahead, homie. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, at. like, you were talking about, you know, when you know one night he's going to come through the woods. We'll, we'll scroll through some trail cam picks, and, I mean, we'll have solid 130s. We'll have good 140s. We'll have that occasional maybe that 150 we got running around will come by. But there's a back view of Mr. Freeze, and it's kind of blurry. But, <laughs> Cody, you are just scrolling through it the other night on Snap, I think, and you know, there's like two two shooter bug, and then boom, it's Mr. Freeze. And I mean, it, it takes the whole picture. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm going to know when that deer comes by. And then, you know, I'm talking to Cody on the phone, and I know he done something because I heard him shoot. I'm like, okay, you know, he didn't kill him. But you got your biggest buck to date down, according to how big you said he is. So I'm like, all right, dude, I'm just going to come over there, you know. I already shot my doe, missed her at four yards, went down in the draw, and I know she's down, so I'm going to come over there, see what you got going, you know, do the filming thing on your camera, and we'll try to do, we're going to try to do this right, because I know at some point we're going to re- try to release this to everybody to see, and then once Cody gets down out of the stand, all hell just breaks loose. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, so I, like... I wanted to soak it in, right? And, and that's why I told Homie this year is really important because the reason I did that is because I shot some solid deer with a bow. I mean, <laughs> repeatedly with, you know, year after year after year. And it's always such a quick process, right? You you shoot the deer, you get on the blood, you find the deer, you get it out of there as quick as possible. And I feel like that moment is what you reach for all year. Like you're searching for that one high of, after you shoot the buck and then find them. And then once you find them, it's like, okay, I got to gut the steer, got to get it out. And, and most of the time, if the weather's nice, you have plenty of time, you know, to just slow down. And that's one thing I told homie. So I was like, homie, homie's probably 250 yards from me, 300 yards. I'm like, I'm not getting on the stand until you get here. And I just dropped the biggest buck of my life and it's laying 70 yards away. And it's kind of blocked by a tree. And I'm like, oh, he's dead. I mean, he's right there, laying right out in the open. And homie's like, have you seen him yet? I'm like, no, I'm waiting until you get here, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And thank God I did, or we wouldn't have got the reaction. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's oh, a good point. Yeah, yeah, big time. Because <laughs> that's you know, real. That, you're going to be like, this is gold. Yeah, that's real. That reaction there, that first time. And that's what I wanted to ask you, because when you first walk up on the biggest buck you've ever shot, and I know I did. I remember Austin was with me. I was, yeah. And I shot this buck in archery. And when we first saw him, man, 
every emotion runs through you at once. And I was almost in shock. Like I, I was just standing back admiring. Like I, I couldn't even approach the deer. And he's like, get over there, get your hands on him. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. I'm sorry. I didn't know what to do. Like you walk up and you just like, you're stunned. You're in shock. Did, did you, well, maybe I have to wait to see the film when it comes out to know what you did, but I, I know, know that's my reaction. Okay. I'll let you guys know. When I, when I hit the ground, I, I walked for about three and a half inches and then there was a full sprint. And, uh, when I had to run uphill, it's pretty steep. And when I got like halfway there, I seen that inside kicker and like I had a heart flutter. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, so I knew, I knew it was a 180 at that point. Right. So I'm like, Oh my God. And, and I knew it was this buck that I had like hours and hours and hours of just agonizing. I mean, I'm, I'm Snapchatting homie sitting on the toilet game plan in this, this yes. buck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're in deep on this thing. And, uh, I see that inside kicker and then I took no time to get my hands on him because I grab a hold of him and I'm like, you're, you're at a moment. So. I don't feel like I have been hunting long enough to kill a deer of that quality, right? I feel like it's it's not something that you can't – I don't feel like you can 100% earn a deer, but I feel like you can somewhat, right? You can put the work in, you get the skill, you get the knowledge, and you figure it out. And I don't feel like I got to that point as a hunter where I know I know 10 guys that are way better hunters than, than me, right, that haven't got to that point, that have put in – 20 plus years hunting that haven't done that right that's something that everybody wants to do right they want to shoot you know a 200 inch class or a 190 class deer and i just didn't feel like i was there and you guys have seen the footage i literally say on camera i do not deserve this deer hmm. and it's it's raw it's 100 percent what i was feeling in that moment and he like it. shuns the deer completely away from me i'm like wow you know it, and then I went complete Ricky Bobby. I didn't even know what to do with my hands. So. <laughs> I went complete Ricky Bobby. What I'm doing with my hands? <laughs> I'm standing up. I'm back, I'm down my knees. I'm holding it. I'm turning it. You know, and and I'm I look at homie. I'm like homie. Do you believe this? Like this? You know, this shouldn't have happened to me, right? This shouldn't. The if people knew how that property was set up, the chances of me killing that deer, the hunting pressure that was around that area to kill him on 21 acres is insane that is literally ridiculous that's and not a very big piece of property either <laughs> it's after so small. 42 shots opening morning this is the second morning oh damn and that okay. still running around and, the and the neighbors are like oh we missed a legend I'm like, oh god <laughs> friday morning yeah. they're like oh yeah we missed a legend this morning i'm like oh who does that sound like dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and, and and i like homie says i'm real tight on my pictures when I got an absolute stud because I, you know, not everybody can know what you got running around because it's already happened. Homie knows. Dude, loose lips, shanks, ships, man. Yeah. We are all about that. Cruising in tighter and tighter on my little piece, you know, and, mm. and people that got 400 acres are getting tighter on me and I got 21. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if you guys hunted your stuff right, my deer is living on your piece. Right. And I know that. I'm not going to tell you that. My deer is daylighting <laughs> On the piece that you're hunting, I'm 100% positive he is daylight on the piece that you're hunting, and you're cruising in closer to mine, and you're actually getting further away from the deer. Oh, you know what man. I mean? They, that shit happens. They see and they hear what you're after, and next thing yeah. you know, they just want to kind of piggyback on your success or of success as far as scouting and doing the work. You know, and they. But I, I also of... want to say this is 
homie put in a ton of work on that property and he had just as much chance to kill that deer as I did. And that deer wasn't, it, that deer wasn't, it was killed on skill by running trail cameras and setting up in a pinch, which if you've seen this spot, I mean, homie, do you, I mean, people wouldn't realize that at the pinch, I don't think, unless they had the history of it, you know? No, and, and that's why in the video we show the two hunts that we do before that because we made a move. If we didn't move, it would have been the same footage as was in your hunt of that morning. And yeah. you probably would have never shot Mr. Freeze, whether it was a gun or a bow or a rifle or a submachine gun. I mean, yeah, you would have probably, it's just too thick. Yeah. So that's why we showed them two hunts. We broke it up with an interview explaining that. And then I hunted in the new stand location. And then next thing you know, I have the hunt of my life. And, you know, it's all for game planning to be where the bucks are traveling because we, if the bucks are traveling there, Mr. Breeze is going to travel there, and we know he's probably been traveling there all year. It's just in a spot of the property to where we can't access it to hang a cam and check that cam because it, it's deep. You can't access that at all. If you access no. that, you have to go in there to kill something. I mean, yeah, that's... you're going to go in there and hunt, kill. Yeah, and that's one of the spots you put one of those cameras spot. out, and it's just yeah, got to be the... historical data. You got to leave it out there all season. For sure. So we have the. Uh, right now, we only have one mobile cam. We're both, I don't know if Cody's going to buy another mobile. I think he's going to buy another one of the new Moultrie mobiles, but I'm not sure. But I'm going to buy an Exodus mobile and put it on Boonertown. But the mobile that we had on the north, that's been historically good in the rut. So we're trying to leave it there and put that there. So we, we didn't get it into the deep part. And that's why we had to make the move in November. And then that, yeah, was so, stand, that was the stand Mr. Grease got killed out of. Yeah, so we, we made the move and like homie said, if we wouldn't have made, if we wouldn't have moved that stand and he, you can ask homie, he wanted to go deeper and I'm a very, yeah. uh, tiptoe, I tiptoe hunter. You know, I like to really play the edges and not pressure a lot and just, it, I've been, I've been successful at it, but could I have been or, more successful I if I got you? insane? Uh, yeah, go ahead. For somebody who has a full sin personality, he's the most tiptoe hunter I've ever met in my life. <laughs> See, that's crazy to me, man. It really is. Like, thinking that you guys are being that conservative on something like that. Like, I understand that's a small piece of property, but I feel like if you got those right days, I'd be, like, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, and, and my, I mean, my first year really on the property hunt, kind of, you know, hardcore, you know, I'm going to listen to Cody. I mean, oh, definitely. He's the one, He's the one in charge because he knows the property. So yeah. if he says, you know, we're not going in there, we're not going in there. But the stand that he hunted that morning before we moved it was the first time anybody had been back there. And I didn't even question why, because all my faith was in Cody of knowing the property. He's like, no, we're just not going back there. I was like, okay, cool. We're not going back there in October. All right, go but ahead. We had three hunts total. We had actually two hunts in well, including yours, we had three hunts total after we moved the stand when I killed the deer yeah. uh, in that area. I mean, for the year. And uh, there's still eight acres that I had didn't even touch. Eight acres of ground on 21 acres that I didn't even touch. You so, hold that as a sanctuary, or you just are you going, not going in there for any particular reason, or you just you I'm just have gone in there? I'm not going in there because I cannot access that property without pushing deer off. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And they, yeah. and they don't stop at me; they go right onto the neighbors. And it wasn't a huge factor because before 
Before I shot and lost the mega giant that I talk about on my podcast, I didn't have people hunting as close as I do to me now. But now if I push a deer a hundred yards, they could potentially get killed. Oh, I yeah. Jeez. So that's tough, man. Homies, homies, <laughs> I got a double man stand on that property. Homies never even seen. Homies never even seen it. He hunted it a whole year, never even seen the stand. Oh man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just because that's I, I have, like Homie says, I have a full sin personality. I'm straight up. I think I'm a funny guy. I like to crack jokes. Shout out to Homie. I bag on him hardcore. He's got huge shoulders. But he, <laughs> he gets it back every now and then when he gets a good one. But Yeah, you got guests but, making fun of him and everything else, man. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's, got, he's got big shoulders. But, yeah, I mean, three hunts in that stand and then to kill him at, at 9 in the morning. And uh, the morning before... The first day of shotgun season, I had an epic hunt back there. I passed the buck that I, it was early, it was within shooting light, but I couldn't get a really good eye on him of what he was. I knew that he was a shooter just from his frame, but I couldn't tell what it was exactly, so I ended up passing. And then, uh, I had another buck that was in the 150s, which I think it's the same 10 that homie got on film. And I ended up passing that deer because it just wasn't a great shot. And then I passed a, uh, 135 eight pointer, all in the same stand within two days, and then shot a 190. But you got the right spot, you got the right spot. But if I would have went back there in October and hunted that spot, it wouldn't have. If I would have been like, okay, I got this 190, I know he's pinching through here. Um, but like I said, if you guys seen this pinch, it's in the, it's in a, it's in a, it's a timber block, right? And it doesn't look like a pinch to most people. They're just barely pinching around this little bitty washout. That if you were out there, you might walk by, you know, and they just pinch around this washout and use it. They don't like open timber. They pinch around the open timber and roll the fence line. And you can see in the film, I mean, we're a hundred yards from the fence line. And I literally, Mr. Freeze was literally on my property for 80 yards. When oh, I dude. <laughs> he was literally coming off the neighbors, going straight to my neighbors. And he was hitting within 80 yards of the corner post of my lead. And yeah, 80 yards and another 80 yards, he'd have been off the property. Dude, that yeah. is so tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and we knew that he didn't live on the, on my piece. We knew he lived on, he bedded on three pieces that surrounded my piece by trail cam pig. And uh, we knew that we had to kill him late season, which when he frequented my property a lot more because the pressure on the other properties was higher, so it pushed him onto mine, or during the rut, cruising for does. And like I said, Literally, homie had the exact same chance that I did to kill that deer. If he would have been on the north, cruising south, homie would have killed him. He had pigs have him up there. I mean, yeah. he was on the homie, homie was in the stand. It was literally a 50-50 roll to die, really. I mean, literally. We knew that these two stands was the best case scenario. We knew he bedded on the north, and if he went south to north, I would get a shot at him. If he went north to south, homie would get a shot at him. If so, you had hunted the honey set? I probably would have shot Mr. Free. Yeah, you would have, you know. And, and that's another thing where when the time is right to go deep, you have to go deep. But when the time isn't right, you can't. You have to play it safe. I don't care if you got got 100 acres, if your access isn't right. Because there's that stand that I was hunting, garbage access. Every time we go back there, we bump deer. It's yeah. absolutely terrible. It's the worst access that you can, you can have because you have to walk through so much timber where deer are bedding. Does are bedding, right? We're walking past the freshest 
hottest buck sign oh. you ever seen in your life. Don't even <laughs> talk about the sign to get back there, dude. The people that say it's hunt fresh sign, not 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 around my area, man. That's just all nocturnal, all of it. We proved that this year. So we're walking past just gang loads of sign. I'm talking like I'm I'm people are gonna think I'm over exaggerating, but ten to twelve fresh ass ground scrapes <laughs> that have been hit the night before. And then maybe a, a twenty yard jump. Oh, yeah, just, I mean, just just fire hot. Just every bush that overhangs a trail is right, just hammered, right? And I'm walking right past them. Like, I'm walking right through them, right? So and that's just, on, like, the main road or trail, whatever you want to call it. It's more of a road than it is a trail. Forty yards to the south is where the honey set is, and that's got two <laughs> ground scrape. It's got two horizontal rub, which we know Mr. Freeze has made one from trail cam picks, and then it's got another tree just damn near rubbed in half, and I'm not talking like your typical shrub tree. I mean, I'm talking legit tree, and I told Cody, I said, if I shoot a buck out of this stand, I'm cutting that tree down, and it's going in the mouth. Like, it's going to be an epic (laughs) This thing is just tore up, and then, you know, just from the trail cams that we have there, the only buck you could have shot was on November 3rd, or November 4th at 9, 10 in the morning, but we had a southeast wind and you would not have been able to hunt that stand and that deer would have busted you before he would even got to the truck mm-hmm. to be on it. So Only yeah. picture in daylight. Off yeah, only picture in daylight, yeah. Where they're entering and exiting all this sign. We got an ass load of deer there at night, at like 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, 8 o'clock at night. But I'm walking past all that fresh sign to get back there. That's why I said when it's time to access the right spot, at a time that you think you could kill him. So we knew that he was bedded on, on the piece. I don't want to say the name, but we, we call it, we'll just say. Don't say D. the name. <laughs> we'll say, we'll say the D. I think you already said it, bro. You, yeah, you, said, you tell I me after the podcast and we'll be all right. <laughs> you guys once. use Onyx. We'll take any, uh, waypoints you want to share. <laughs> so he's bedded on the D ground or the K ground. And from the trail cam picks we had, we knew he was on the D ground a lot. And that's where I set up that morning. We had picks literally 10 minutes before shooting light right by my stand on the K ground. He's going right into the K ground. Um, that, and that's where homie's at. So we're playing both odds. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's, I didn't kill that deer because I was a better hunter than homie. I killed that deer off of persistence and, and luck. Now, yeah. when, a, when a deer comes in like that, making the shot, you know, and, and being successful that that takes skill, right? You have to be able to calm yourself. Oh, totally. Pull yourself down, get you know, get prepared, make sure everything's clear. Like I remember in my mind he's clearing branches. I got a perfect shot. I try to stop him with a gun. The bow hunter in me, I don't even know what I was doing. I go, <laughs> man. He, he don't stop in the film, so I just shoot him anyways, right? And I make an absolute fire shot. The best That's shot I've smoking, ever didn't you? Yeah. Ever, ever made on a, a deer, he crashes in 60 yards. And I, and I try to shoot him a second time just to make sure. <laughs> but, you know what? A deer that big, I don't blame you. I'd have shot him three or four times. <laughs> yeah, there's some footage that didn't release. And the reason it didn't release is because it was just like, I was just so cocky in the footage. Like, I, I get up to the deer and I roll him over and I'm like, yeah, I haven't smoked him. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm like, I can't release that. That's just, that's not me. I was just in the moment. And, Dude, I know. feel you, man. I totally get that. And that is you just, just 
you're proud, right? You're, you're yeah, man, proud you're proud. I mean, you better be. If you're not proud about that, I mean, there's something wrong with you. But it's still not better than any deer that, you know, is a mature deer that someone's harvested and had history with. It's really not any better than that. Did he have more antlers on a rack? Yeah. But the, is it is it any different than killing any other five-year-old deer? I don't think so. Yeah. Other than that, know how old he was in his damn jaw in it. Yeah, I will. Eventually. I got it. I got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I tell Austin the same thing. He killed this big old swamp donkey buck. And he won't send the teeth in. I have them. They're, dude, they're in the rack shack. It's ready to go. I just got to send the damn thing in. I'm really curious. I mean, his deer had like no teeth left in its mouth. I mean, it was it's just. Per, it's procrastination. I don't want it to be a three-year-old like the neighbors said. <laughs> I'm scared too, man. Like, I think it's this great big freaking old swamp donkey. And I feel like I'm going to get the teeth back. And they're going to be like, yeah, it was two and a half year old. <laughs> he just didn't floss when he was young. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, but. You know, just getting back to the legend of, of Mr. Freeze, you know, I don't have as much work in it as Cody, and as much as I wish that I would have shot that deer, is exactly as much as I wish I didn't shoot that deer when Cody actually shot him, because I got to see how much it meant to Cody, and uh, he is a better hunter than me, regardless if he'll give himself props or not, and, you know, he'll, he, he doesn't do that. That's just his personality, and, and he talks me up like I'm a better hunter than I think I am. But you know, it's just my personality is I don't think I'm as better as a or as good as a hunter as I think I am. But you know, we we know the basic, and just to see him in that moment, you know, I'm glad that that deer did not walk by and have me shoot it because you know, just to have the roles reversed would have been, you know, I would have spent more time apologizing to Cody that I shot that deer that I would have been soaking it in because I knew how much we had game plan together to shoot that deer and it would have been the best and the worst time you know to shoot a deer but just like Cody said there you know I was on the north he was he was deep but on that day he had packed Jake in with him and we were trying to get Jake a doe you know his first deer he had a doe permit and the first deer that they had seen was a buck, and Cody kind of scoped him out. And I'd already shot my doe by this time. So I told him, I said, well, you guys should have just come up here. And it was kind of coin tossed in the morning when we were getting dressed if Cody and Jake were going to come to the north stand or if they were going to go to the back stand. So literally a 50-50 coin flip, they went to the stand I was in, or if I went to the stand they were in, is how different the story had turned out to you would have shot the 135.8. I was saying. I was, I was, I was, I was, That's a good point. Dude, I want to go back and I want to touch on a couple of things real quick. Number one, congrats on killing like a freaking ginormous ass deer, honestly. <laughs> Two. Well, it's high fence. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say. High thank, fence and corn and a yeah. gun. I mean, eh. yeah, thank God in that 80 yards he was on your property that you cut a hole big enough in the fence <laughs> yes. from your neighbors to your property that he could just slip I knew right through. The only way he could pinch through there was through the hole in the fence. <laughs> <laughs> right? You guys gave me another thing to bash myself with. Thank you so much. Best thing that's come out of this podcast. Like, yep, came off the neighbors, cut a hole right there. The only place he could enter. I got it. <laughs> couldn't get out you know there's a drawbridge on the other side with a tripwire once he went through boom yeah, closed yeah. right on there behind him sorry Austin yeah, thanks for getting me off my train of thought there guy <laughs> 
But number two, going back to you saying, like, if that deer would have came through, you would have felt bad if you shot it. Like, that just shows what kind of a guy you are. Like, you, you guys both put in really hard work to get on this deer and game plan and everything. I'm sure everyone would have been happy if you shot it. Both, it right. goes both ways, honestly. But yeah. the fact that you would have, like, felt bad but been happy and, like, that, that's a, that's a piece that, like, everybody has to struggle with that. It's like the, the devil and, like, the angel on the shoulder. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, man, he's been working so hard for this deer, but it's right in front of me. I've said it with you, you know, in Goon. Yeah. You know, you had Goon on camera for a couple years, and this is a big deer from Pennsylvania. This deer had no, no reason to be in, yeah. near us at all. And you were after him for a couple years, and, you know, you had told me, you know, we found, we scouted, and we did some spring scouting, and I found some bedding, and you're like, hey, man, you help me find it. Let's get in there after him. And I'm like, dude. I don't want that deer to walk past me and me to shoot it. Like, yeah, it'll be an amazing deer and I will love it forever. But the the feelings I'll have, like, I will regret doing it because I know how much this deer means to you specifically. And it's something that you've been after for two hard years, specifically that buck. Yeah. You know? No, I feel you on that. So I, I have the same that. feelings as homie felt, you know, if it would have been him, how the tables would turn. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. I mean, it would have just been like that initial. Like, dude, you know, I mean, I don't know if I would have been a phone call or, I mean, he would hurt me shoot because, you know, we're only 250, 300 yards apart. So, you know, he'd have been texting me. Um, I'd be like, well, you probably should just come over here. I mean, I mean, what do you say? Be like, seriously, you just come over here because, I mean, then he's going to know. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you just, I just shot Mr. Freeze. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what you say, right? I mean, so. I'll break it down. Oh, no, you can say, simple. oh, no, I just found the biggest buck in my life. And then you, like, play it down low. And then you just have a guy <laughs> walk 300 yards to you. And you then when you give him the camera and you're on the ground, then all hell breaks loose. I mean, that's what happened. So <laughs> is that what I should have done? Like, probably just the biggest buck in my life. But, you know, he's probably just come over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one solid I mean, tear I'll, running down your face. <laughs> I'll play, yeah. play it real simple to you. I let homie hunt this piece with me, right? Yeah. And... I knew this deer was there. Yeah, that says enough right there. I knew that the chance of homie shooting it was really good. I had put the work in to find this deer. I literally knew exactly where to get velvet picks of him. I knew exactly what he was going to do late season. I had the idea of the scrape tree. I hung the stand where for homie that this buck had been frequenting this scrape for three years. That's the homie set. (laughs) That's the homie set, right? And, And and that that's who I am. When you find when you find a guy that you're legitimately like brothers with, right? We hunt together, but we're brothers. We talk hours on the phone repeatedly during the week. But uh, it's just it's just who we are. And I knew that he could potentially kill this deer, and I was cool with that. Now there's a couple times when he showed up on cam and we were hunting together, and I was filming him. I was like, homie, if Mister Priest comes by. And I'm in this game with you. I'm shooting him. <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely. And, and, my, and my selfishness came out then, right? But the other 30 times that I'm at work and homie's hunting out there by himself, you know what I mean? Or I'm hunting another stand and I'm hunting over here. He literally could have killed that deer and I would have been just as happy for him as if I killed that deer. Because just like my buddy Nick Brown says, you have to be out there to kill, kill these bucks, right? Absolutely. So yeah. if he, if he killed him, I, I knew that 100% going in, and homie knew this deer was there. It wasn't a secret. You know what I mean? I let him on to potentially kill a 190-class deer. Oh, and 
and the deer and the deer was 200 yards away from him when I killed him headed directly towards him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yep. I mean, I rolled the dice, but I got told homie, he could have just repaid me with like six 140s and it would have been even. <laughs> <laughs> six 140s with a bow. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't have been a big deal. So, I can but, see a couple encounters, bro. <laughs> that's what it's about. And that's, that's what we try to instill in our podcast. And, and I don't know how many times I've, I've said it. I killed a giant deer, but I made the footage as minimal about me and as much about the people that I did it with because I did it with homie, right? We hung those cams together. We, we moved those stands together. We, I talked to homie and I said, what do you, we need to move this stand back. And he went from a different property and helped me hang the stand, which is brutal in this giant cottonwood tree in the middle of the day, right? And we hung it. And then I, I literally left that property after seeing 150s chasing does and drove <laughs> to Missouri to rifle hunt and left homie there to hunt. And oh, literally damn. Mr. Freeze could have came by that night and he could have shot him with a bow. And I was cool with that. Dude. I was cool with that because friendship is, is bigger than deer hunting. There'd be, would I ever shoot another 190? No, probably not, but you never know. I mean, I, one day homie's going to shoot a giant and I'm going to be there. Just like him, but I'm not gonna be hiding in a bush at two in the morning. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, I knew. So after we got Mr. Freeze kicked out, we got him back. You know, we had to go to the local bar, just kind of, you know, feel it out, just see what everybody else was up to. Uh, nobody believed that Cody shot like a 190, so we had the rack in the truck. And Remember that guy was we, like, no, no, no. Yeah, that guy's like, <laughs> like, no, that, that's not 190. Like, Dude, just just look at it, you know? I mean, you already said that 14 times that day. Just look at it. Look at it. it. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> Best so, um, you know, we're at the bar, and, you know, I'm just trying to he had already posted that he killed Mr. Freeze and I was just going to share it and you know type up kind of my perspective on it and like I just literally set my phone down and walked outside because I was getting emotional again and it wasn't because I didn't shoot the deer it was because I was super proud that Cody achieved his goal and then you know we go home I'm dropping Cody off at his house and then this is when it got real bad is because he started just looking through everything that I recorded of like the recovery and he's bringing his kid out and i'm just like dude i was like you know i start losing it again i'm just like dude like i brought my I six month old on a 190 track yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six month old track to 190 you know 50 yards so you know i was like dude you know i want to do this right because i mean this is you know your deer like you know i don't we're gonna be upgrading to premiere pro to edit our videos and obviously this is going to make it into a video and i was like dude i I just you know i have no skill in that realm and i want to do this right for you and i was like maybe we just have somebody else do it you know and he's like no no you got it bro you know we can do it you know we're good and i was like "Uh, i don't know but you know just that trust cody instilling in me like you know we got it we just you know, we don't have no time frame. We don't have nobody expecting any video. I said, we, we, we got all the time in the world. We'll get it right. We'll do it right. And we did it right, I think. Yeah. Dude, you know? I agree. I think we did it right too, man. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. 95 revisions. It's good. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, hell yeah. It's a fine product. <laughs> yeah. So Cody's the only one showing emotion in this one. It it didn't get recorded that I was I was losing it, but I lost it just as much, if not as more than he did. Mm-hmm. It was oh, just yeah. you know the first time that I felt extremely proud for somebody else to shoot a giant buck. And that's something else you know I talk about on our show is like you're not always going to shoot a giant. And it's not always about shooting a giant, but if somebody shoots, you know, a buck and they're proud of it, I get behind them. You know, oh, absolutely. Be, be proud of their ass, you know, for getting out there in the morning, getting up, getting out in the woods, or in the evening because their their wife's probably mad at them that, that they're going hunting again. Just be literally ecstatic. Just be just be obnoxious that they killed this deer or any deer, and and you know, show them the love that each deer deserves. Or, you know, even if it's a shit, you know, just, we've, we've had a lot of that lately, you know? Just be proud of that guy. We haven't had a lot of that lately, no. Just spread the love. Because yeah. the love is getting thin, the love is getting short, and I, kn- I know one thing, when I killed my biggest buck, like, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, everybody at camp's gonna be happy. And then, it was literally like, maybe an hour and a half, we talked about it, and then it was done. I was like, well, that's some bullshit. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to enjoy this for the rest of the day. I killed it in the morning. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of the day. Nope. At lunch, Tio dressed him out, and he was done. That was it. Then, we're, then they were hunting the evening, you know. And um, that's one thing that I really try to instill on our show is just, like Cody and I have said on here, you know, just soaking in the moment because that's what we want to do. And that's what every deer deserves that you're proud of. And that you view that you view as a trophy because I'm going to buy quick, man. Dude, I couldn't agree more. And you know everything that you just said, it kind of goes, it rolls right on back. And I feel like me and Charles kind of have the same thing going on. But it it really says something about another person when you have a really good hunting buddy and you can share those experiences with each other and you can talk about everything and game plan and hunt the same properties and have trust in each other and just. It's just, it's really a good feeling to have that one person that you can go out and hunt with and rely on, and they're always there. And that kind of rolls into, man, you know, I, I know it was an easy drag with Mr. Freeze, but it was good to have a hunt buddy there, right? <laughs> a couple of Jake, Jake was, Jake was baller. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and to go off of what Austin's saying too, and also to have the support group, you know, back at home, some of your closest friends that you hunt with. You know, or even if you don't hunt with it, support you and what you do and your family and stuff. You know, I'm very family oriented when I'm hunting. I have three brothers that hunt. I have my father that hunts with us. You know, we got a big family of a bunch of hunters and it's always a big team effort. But that celebration after the kill, that is something that, you know, and I tried, I've, I've listened to the podcast. I've tried it. I tried it this year. And, you know, I'm like, when I kill my buck, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to really take it in. Sure enough, I kill my buck, you know, I, I take my time getting down, I follow the blood, I'm taking pictures, I find the deer, and I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. I'm sitting there with it, and next thing you know, here comes the landowner on a four-wheeler. <laughs> like, uh, shit, I guess I kind of got to get this thing out of here. But it's the after the fact with us usually, like when it's hanging in the tree and you got people, I was up, when I killed my big one two years ago, I was up till three, four in the morning, and I was leaving the next day for Illinois. We were going on our out-of-state trip to Illinois the next morning. We were leaving at like 7 in the morning, up till 3 and 4 in the morning. Our one buddy's the cop. He's there with the cruiser, with the light shine on the deer. And, and it's just story time, man, for hours and hours and hours. And you're on a high. Like, I couldn't even sleep that night. It was just, it's incredible. 
So I know what you're talking about there, man. It's just it, taking it in is probably the best advice you can give to anybody. doesn't matter how many years they've been out there. The best advice you can give to anybody, take that moment in because, you know, my deer goes off to taxidermist and I don't see it anymore for a while. And, you know, I miss him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And, oh, yeah. When I got my biggest buck today, you know, I mean, he's he's a 150 class buck and it was, it was short lived. Like there was nobody like super pumped up, you know, yeah. Um, at the deer camp, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah, another buck, you know, take it. You know, I didn't shoot it, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know, this is bullshit. Like, yeah. I want to change this in my little circle. You know, I said, you know what? I said, no matter if I agree or disagree with the buck that's shot, whether it's a two-year-old or a six-year-old or if it's a 110 or a 170, I'm going to be ecstatic as hell for that guy. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to be more ecstatic for that guy than he is about shooting that deer because that's what I missed when I shot my biggest buck. And that's something that needs to be brought back into the industry. And just like somebody, just I think Cody had said, you know, when he was little, it was all about being a 12-pointer, you know, it was all about being how many points that deer had. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's, you know, did you have three years of history with him, and was he one, was he a 160 or, you know, or better, you know? Did and, you find his sheds? It doesn't count if you didn't find yeah, his sheds. Do you have any sheds off of him? <laughs> literally, when we had started this podcast, my sister, um, you know, just strictly gun hunts, and she had kind of been hunting her ass off for three years, and she finally got a buck she could mount and put on the wall and um you know funny stories you know she thinks the deer's coming in and you know she shoots him and she's like oh it's a six pointer and we're thinking oh geez you know six pointer and then um we get down there you know and it's like a high 130s nine oh sweet yeah so we all come up we're like what the hell are you talking about six pointer you know i mean this is like legit good buck you know and um you know just dragging that deer out you know, I had her husband, my brother-in-law, my older brother, and me dragging him out. And then, you know, they kind of die off. But I'm like, you know, just instilling that thing of being fired up. And I just dragged this deer, you know, an extra 120 yards by myself to the field edge. And then when everybody gets out there, then they get a look at him and then, you know, get some good pictures and stuff. So, you know, that's what I talk about, you know, just being excited for somebody when they shoot a deer. And whether they're proud of it or not. Just give them the satisfaction that they've done something great. Oh, dude, absolutely. And you know what? Next time you shoot a big buck, send me a picture. I'll make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. That buck you <laughs> shot, dude, great buck. Shoot a big buck first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you shot a great buck this year, to be honest. It's a great buck. Let's, uh, I think, uh, I think Cody fell asleep. So why don't we get into <laughs> a little round of, uh, something we had as a surprise we didn't send you earlier. We lined up some rapid fire questions for you boys. So whoever, uh, yeah, whoever hits the button first can go ahead and take each of these. But Austin, why don't you lead us off with the first one, buddy? All right. What is your favorite hunting tradition? Eating deer heart. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Favorite hunting tradition. Man, that's tough. I don't know. I think it's like that, which is, this is going to be weird for a lot of people. I think it's like that week or two weeks before season starts when everybody's just like so jacked they're sharing velvet picks and everybody's thinking about how great and grand their season's gonna be and it's probably gonna be shit like most seasons are. <laughs> yeah. i think that's my favorite time you know when when the stress really isn't on to kill one and you're just 
you're just getting really amped up. You're in the backyard shooting a bow every day. You know, that's, that's, that's my favorite tradition. Dude, that's a super solid answer. Yeah. That's not what I expected. Totally at all, out of the box. I like that. I a really lot. dig that. Yeah. All right, boys. What's your best advice for a new hunter? Keep it short. Cody's sleeping. Oh, uh, I'm good, man. I, I, I just went, <laughs> took a pee while you get while homie was talking. I was rambling. I was rambling. Yeah. Velvet lights kicking in. Velvet lights kicking in. Okay. <laughs> uh, best advice for a new hunter: Don't worry about what you shoot. Shoot as many deer as you want. Fork and horn, six pointer. I killed a ton of tiny deer. Like, I mean, I, I don't even know how many button bucks I killed, bro. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm, I got a button buck village dead over here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, take advice from other hunters, even if you, it might be wrong. You got to figure out what, what works for you. I like that. Solid. Come on, Ellie. Uh, Cody kind of took mine. Um, <laughs> like I said before, you know, I will, I wish I would have shot them 100 inches, 120 inches, uh, just to go to my confidence and, you know, have that you know, deer recovery experience. So I will go off of that and say, you know, our season starts October 1st every year, no, no matter what day it is. And deer transition their movements and patterns throughout the year. I wish I would have known that when I started bow hunting. Yeah. No, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's good too. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Totally no <laughs> doubt about it. You know, that is in figuring out on which property they're moving at what time of year is huge too. Yeah. So that's that goes right in with it. What uh? What's your next out of state hunt that you have planned? We're both going to Missouri. I'm gonna drag homie. That's about the only thing we got <laughs> planned right now. I can think of. I'm gonna introduce homie to the camaraderie of homemade biscuits and marmalade, orange marmalade, in the morning after you just shot a buck with a rifle, in Missouri. Oh damn, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like a good I've never time. With rifle only shotgun. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Like, if you can see it, you can probably shoot it. Pretty much. Just about. <laughs> yeah, just about. <laughs> you can shoot um, at it a bunch. Definitely just seeing, you know, everything that Cody had got on film, you know, down there with his grandparents. Um, I'm definitely anxious to get into that. And after that, you know, I mean, like like we said before, you know, we've got velvet hunts on the brain. We've got bear on the brain. You know, the Texas hog hunts. Yeah, up Texas pretty hog much. hunts. Yeah, know, we'll have to talk nothing, about that one. Nothing outfitted. It's all just personal people like us, you know, and just offering the uh, olive branch to come out and take, enjoy what, what they're doing. I take that. All right, I'm going to take the last two here, boys. All right. This one <laughs> is uh, mostly for Cody, but actually the next two might be. But uh, what is the best recommended high fence property for gun hunting, like the Mr. Freeze property? Uh, I got I got a perfect answer for this. So find a piece, literally find a piece that everybody think is is shit, and but no one can tell you why it's shit. It just is, and put a high fence on it. You're kill big deer. That's literally how I found my property. Like I'm like I, I tell homie I'm like no one hunts this piece. Everybody thinks it's junk because of this or this, and then we hunt it and it's baller. Like, it's like, holy shit, this thing is, is awesome. You know what I mean? So, and the, and the same thing with sheds. I mean, that's another good thing for high fence. You find big sheds in, in high fence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every shed I found this year was inside of a fence. That's how I find them. But I can't find the match. I don't understand. Yeah. No, yeah. What's going on with that other side? I the match outside of the fence. <laughs> the <other> one inside. <laughs> I think he only shed the other side after me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, damn. There's squirrels out there only eating right side. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the tasty side. Everybody knows the right side is the tasty side. Right? <laughs> so sick. I couldn't agree more. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right, on a more serious note, this, again, can be for both of you since you were both part of it, but specifically, say, Cody, if you killed a 200-inch deer next year that you had zero history with, would you be more excited than when you found out that you killed Mr. Freeze? No, not even close, bro. That's kind of what close. I thought. I mean, we we potentially have a deer that could go 200 next year. And homie knows the deer I'm talking about. And homie's got a deer that he's hunting that could, that's already 200. <laughs> right? It, don't worry, guys. Nobody listens to this podcast, and, so nobody's going to find out. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't even come close. Yeah. I mean, just the compilation of people getting tired of me talking about it on the podcast our podcast and then being successful and one thing i hope to really show people in the film is you know i'm we're literally me and homie are literally nobodies that were successful on a giant deer so literally anybody can do it and then when you do kill the deer do it right you know do it Mm -hmm. do it the way that i mean you guys are seeing the film when people kill that deer they're like it, they did it right. It, they they conquered it. It wasn't like you know. I, I tried to make it about the team, the deer, my family, the people that supported me, the lessons I learned, and the how it's gonna make me better. And one thing I fear now is that I did accomplish that. I'll never be able to like satisfy an itch of beating what I did right. So. This year, I'm excited, of course, to, to deer hunt, but the only deer that I really have a lot of history with is the runner-up 10, which homie knows is, I mean, he could potentially be 160 this year, but it's not something that, like, I don't have sheds, I don't have multiple trail cams, I didn't hunt him hard last year. I'm restarting the story. It's exciting and it's demoralizing at the same time, right, because I know that that deer is not out there. Like, I'm not going to get a picture of Mr. Freeze. Yep ever again i i honestly think right now in my hunting career it it would i don't i don't know if i'll ever be as special as a moment just between me and homie as friends as mr freeze was for us dude that's mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. it'll be hard it'll yeah. be hard that's super the, story, solid. Um, the storyline that we told in our film is it's, it's epic man it's epic it's epic on so many different levels and i literally people watch our film like they watch you know, the one that's going to come out, the the legacy film, the beginning film, and they're okay, but the Mr. Priest film is yeah. rock solid. It's rock solid. Dude, I'm, I'm so wait. excited. <laughs> I really, I can't wait. And there's not a better place to end it than right with that. Just yeah. the film's going to be epic. Yep. We can thank Mr. Uh, Mr. Freeze for your podcast fame from here on out. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is, man. <laughs> Literally, if you guys want to have a fairly successful podcast just shoot a 190 right on it getting right on it yeah i'll, I'll yeah. let you know when that happens yeah you know we got a couple uh couple button bucks that look good for next year you know yeah it's all about the angle bro it'll be a solid two and a half year old next year yeah. yes before we let you go, and not to cut you off, I apologize, but uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you guys, maybe social media, where they can find your podcast, and if you also want to touch on a timeline real quick on what to expect for your uh, films that are coming out. Well, I mean, you're the guy for this. He's got all, <laughs> Take he's got away. all the digits. 
There you uh, go. Hashtag tech guy. <laughs> so we have Instagram, whitetail underscore legacy underscore podcast. I know it's difficult. That's blame Cody on that. Facebook at whitetail legacy. Also Twitter, which is where you should really follow us. Um, put a hard plug in here, right jab or right hook at whitetail legacy on Twitter. We ask hard questions every day, Monday through Friday, dealing with hunting. And then, you know, whitetaillegacypodcast.com. Also, another way to watch our videos. Also, another way to see what we're doing video-wise. Revamp website, so we're actually pretty pumped about that. If you want to listen to the podcast, we're on Apple iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. We're almost everywhere. Damn. So, yeah, <laughs> shit, man. Yeah, we're we're stepping up and branching out. And um, yeah. iHeartRadio. Uh, yep, iHeartRadio. Listen to it on the website. Yep, um, listen to the website. We make a blog post every Wednesday when we make a post. And I'm going to leak here that we are going to start a blog. I don't know what day we're going to release it, but we've got some blogs stored up and we're going to be re- releasing them shortly so nice uh we'll be very touchy subjects too Ooh, i like yeah. that yeah i do like yeah. that like yeah. like uh like baiting and gun or bow hunting and uh it'll be it'll some of them not all of them but some of them will reflect our hard question of the day on twitter which we get very much engagement on and um some of them we're gonna put the people's answers that comment on our Twitter feed into the hard question of the day for our website blog. Uh, give credit to them guys and show everybody kind of, you know, different answers to our question. I like that a lot. That's different. Switch it up, man. I dig it. That's one <laughs> thing I'd like to end with this podcast. If you guys want to, if you guys want to film, if you guys want to start a blog, if you guys want to do anything, just do it right now. Stop thinking about it. Stop saying i'll do it next week just do it and go 100 percent. well huge thank you to cody and homie for coming on and spending the entire night and morning with us <laughs> <laughs> that was tiring it was a long one man but it was an exciting one and honestly it was so much fun i can't believe how fast four hours can fly by i know right i i literally was just having such a good time oh dude me too i was drinking beers i was hanging no, I was drinking soda pops. I was hanging out. <laughs> we, we were clearly drinking beer. Yeah, it happens. It's okay, and I think they were too. I don't know if uh, from the other end, if you can start to hear homie go down slope when when he got to about beer thirteen, he said. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I told him his range is what between eight and ten. Yeah, man. that's where he's money. Eight and that's ten beers. He, that's where he's money. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's something to be gained from the the whole episode, though. I mean, we got into a lot of good topics. It was really good discussion back and forth. Absolutely. Their podcast and our podcast are a lot alike in the sense that it's just two guys down to earth that just want to get out there, talk to people that not a lot of people know about, get the camp stories, you know, really get that good home feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Know? They have a great podcast. Head over, give them a listen, give them a follow on all their social media at the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Yep. You know, leave them a five-star review on iTunes. They would greatly appreciate that, just like we would greatly appreciate that <laughs> if you head over and gave us a five-star review. We sure would. We sure would appreciate we that. We sure you, would. I mean, all you have to do is take your iPhone out. Okay, and this is where it's easiest on iTunes. 
you go into your podcast app, you find us, you go to the very bottom of the page, and there's five stars right there that are empty. You click the very one to the right, the last one all the way to the right, five stars, click it, and you submitted it. Boom. And if you want to say a little thing about us, you know, hey, love the show. Hey, you guys suck. Hey, don't ever get those drunken idiots from Illinois on again. You know? (laughs) (laughs) All they do is kill big deer and high fence. Nobody wants to hear that shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but they're they're a good group of guys. No, they really are. They're so much fun. (laughs) I can't wait to hang out with those guys. Yeah, we got to make something happen. They, They were talking about ATA and stuff for next year. I think we need to make that happen. That'd I think be huge. We will definitely try and do that. I think it'd just be cool to get down there, Absolutely. meet all kinds of new Absolutely. people. Yeah. You know, and they're meet Matt and Cindy as well. Certainly. They're always down there. Yep. You know, shout out to VIP. Shout out to VIP. We're looking at the veteran broadhead right here in front of us right now. It is nasty. That red, white, and blue. I can just hear eagles soaring. <laughs> I can hear it. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Well. I had a lot of fun. Um, what about our social media? Where can they find us, Austin? Head over to Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Go Wild. Soon to be Twitter. Soon to be Twitter. Soon to be Twitter. I've gotten on there two or three times now, and I literally just last night fell asleep with it in my hand. Get so, on it, kid. I will. That I will. is all at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. That it is. That it is. That's all we got. I like it. Next week, maybe we'll talk to uh, some more guests. <laughs> probably maybe not <laughs> maybe not i've uh i do have one request also maybe offer the podcast to kind of get into the killing grill in the background maybe do an episode on the killing grill we shall maybe bring in some people like uh you know either bring my dad back on or someone that's been to every single one of them yep talk the history or i'll get the information from him from yeah, back yeah. then you Absolutely. know because I'd like it's that. something i've been doing since i was really young certainly so that's really cool it's a good Good tradition. Everybody out there should be practicing something like that. Absolutely. I agree 100%. All right. It's almost time to be shooting our bows and uh, looking for turkeys. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. The distraction is real. The distraction is real. The distraction is real.